open up your source sheets because this is going to be a text-based class. Today, and Be'ezer Hashem, next class, which is Thursday morning, we're going to be learning a sicha, a shir, a talk, a shir that was presented by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Shabbos Parshas Pinchas, Tov Shin Lamedalad. That's summer of 1974. The Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, brilliantly, brilliantly dissects and analyzes a Rashi in Parshas Pinchas. At the surface, we all read through the Rashi. It's a nice Rashi, seems like a simple Rashi. But when you begin to analyze on a granular level every word of Rashi, the phraseology of Rashi, the choice of words of Rashi, a new world emerges. It also develops into a discussion on intermarriage and (coughs) our relationship to intermarriage, a paradoxical approach which addresses two opposite points about intermarriage, especially in our generation, as we will see in this talk of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which is published in the Kutei Sichais, volume 18, Parshas Pinchas, and being studied this week in Project Lekutei Sichas. So let's begin. But before I get into the Sicha, in order to be able for you to appreciate it, so let's, we have to have context. So if you open up your source sheet, there's a source sheet here with a few psukim and rashis that we're going to learn, and then we're going to get into the Sicha. If you didn't open your source sheet yet, if you go to Zoom, you can go to the chat and you could click on the link there. You can go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net. And over there you'll see the Monday class, The Wolf and the Shepherd, L'Kutei Sichas Pinchas. It has the source sheets above the video, view source sheets, or below the video, download. You can also open a L'Kutei Sichas, volume 18, Pinchas, or you can go to Project L'Kutei Sichas, they have it as well, their website. Let's remember context. Source number one. Bamidbar Chavav Alev Beis. Context, context. What happened? At the end of Parsha's Balak, we learned that after that whole story where Bilam is summoned to curse the Jewish people and essentially he ends up blessing the Jewish people and his curses are transformed in some of the most poetic and eloquent blessings about the Jewish people, the nation of Israel begins surrendering to Vayachalam Liznes al The nation begins surrendering to promiscuity with the daughters, with the women of Mayav and of Midian, and they ultimately follow their gods, they engage in the idolatry known as Pa'ir. And this is a, a mass event, meaning it consumes not just a few Jews, but as we will see, tens of thousands of Jews who are lured in to the trap of promiscuity, of adultery, and of idolatry. Particularly, there is a Jewish leader, his name is Zimri, and he has public relations with a Midianite princess called Cosby. Pinchas kills them both. There's a massive plague that breaks out among the people. The plague consumes, the pandemic consumes 24,000 Jews. In Pinchas, we learn about, in the portion of Pinchas, we learn about Pinchas being rewarded, becoming a kohen, a priest after the story. 
And then the Torah continues, and I quote source one, It happens after the plague, after the pandemic. God tells Moshe and Elazar, remember Aaron already passed away, so the successor for Aaron was Elazar, the high priest, and he tells them, it's time to count the Jewish people. I want to count everyone who's suitable to go out into the army, this means everyone from 20 and older. After the plague, this happens after the plague. And that's what happens. The next section is Moshe and Elazar conduct the census of the Jewish people. Says Rashi, source number two. Listen to the words of Rashi. This is the key. If you want to understand this, I'm going to give you a metaphor. There was a shepherd. His flock was infiltrated by wolves. And the wolves killed some of the flock. So the shepherd counts the flock to ascertain the number of those that remained and survived. Rashi is explaining why the count. There was a flock, many sheep, many goats, many cattle. The wolves... A pack of wolves infiltrated and killed some of them. And the shepherd counts those that remained. And of course, Rashi doesn't have to explain what his point is. There was a pack of wolves that came into the Jewish people called the flock and killed many of them. There was a pandemic, there was a plague that comes from the wolves. And the shepherd, the one who's responsible, the one who takes care of the sheep, of course, Moshe counts those that remain. So God tells him, count them. There's another interpretation. When they left Egypt, 40 years earlier when they left Egypt, and they were entrusted to Moshe, they were given to him with a reckoning. After they left Egypt, there was a count, a census. Now that Moshe Rabbeinu is nearing death. In Parshish Pinchas, God is going to tell him that he's going to pass away, and he ordains Joshua, Yeshua, as a successor. So now he's returning the sheep. He returns them also with a reckoning. You got them with a reckoning, you got them with a census, you give them back with a census. This is the Rashi and Parshish Pinchas that the Lubavitcher Rebbe is going to take apart, dissect, and teach us in this shear that we're going to learn today. Now, in order to get context, let's see one more thing, source number three. This is the first Rashi in Sefer Bamidbar. The opening of Bamidbar happens, the opening of Bamidbar, God tells Moshe and Aaron to count the Jewish people on the first day of the month of Ir, one month after the sanctuary was constructed this is, of course, a year after the exodus of Egypt. But it doesn't say why. So Rashi says, Because the Jews are precious, they're loved by God, he's always counting them. You know when you have something very valuable, you're always counting it? <laughs> Make sure it's safe, it's intact. 
because he loves the Jewish people, he's always counting them. So when they went out of Egypt, there's a count. Shmois chapter 12, he counts them. When they fell because of the sin of the golden calf, he counts them again. He wants to know the number of those who survived. That's a second count. Now, when he comes to bring his shechina, he wants to dwell his presence among the Jewish people, counts them again. And therefore, So on the first day of Nisan, the sanctuary was erected, and one month later, the first day of year, he counts them again. This is how Rashi explains at the beginning of Bamidbar, why there is frequent counting of the Jewish people in Chumash. They left Egypt. Just a few months later, after the sin of the golden calf, there's counting again. Just a few months later, after they put up the Mishkan, there's a third count. What do you need all these counts for? When you love something, you don't stop counting it. We're going to learn one more Rashi, and then we're going to start the Sikha. Source number five. This is Rashi, Parshas Ki Sisa. Shmois Perik Lam, Exodus 30. Source number five. Remember, in that story, in Parshas Ki Sisa, God tells Moshe, to take a half a shekel from every Jew who's suitable to go into the army. And and to use that half shekel for the work of the construction of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle of the sanctuary. And this was a way to count the Jews. He didn't want them to count the Jews through the counting their bodies, but through counting the half shekels. So Rashi says, from here we learn... From here, we can deduce that Moshe and Aaron were commanded to take a reckoning, a census of the Jewish people, when they began to contribute the money to build the sanctuary after the story of the golden calf. The story of the golden calf happened, of course, on the 17th of Thomas. That's why we fasted yesterday. That's the day that the luchas were broken, one day after they created the golden calf. And then as Rashi explains, Yom Kippur, a few months later, Moshe came down with the second tablets, the Jews were atoned, and he told them to build a Mishkan, to donate money for the sanctuary and to build it, and six months later it went up on the first day of Nisan. But we see from here that when they begin to contribute money, they begin to begin to have a shekel, there's a count of the Jewish people after the golden calf. Why? Because there was a pandemic. There was a plague. That after they created the golden calf, God caused a plague to afflict the nation and many died. Marshall, I'm going to give you a metaphor. A parable is there was a flock that was very dear to the one who owned it. And a plague, a pandemic came and affected the flock. As soon as the pandemic ceased, the owner of the flock told the shepherd, I beg of you, please count my sheep. So we could know how many are left after the pandemic. He did this to show that the flock was so dear to him. So Rashi say, after they made a golden calf and there was a pandemic, God wants Moshe Rabbeinu to count them just like if there was a flock of sheep and other cattle, other animals, and a pandemic came and destroyed many of them, killed many of them. So the owner who loves them so much tells the shepherd, please 
do me a favor, count them. I want to know how many are left. Now, if you heard everything we learned now, because <laughs> we learned a few Rashis, I hope in your mind you're already developing some questions. What is going on here? When you think and you realize that every word in Rashi is particular, you should already be thinking certain questions. I hope we have learned enough time that you think that way. The first big question, of course, is Rashi here gives a metaphor and Rashi in Parshish Kisisa gives a metaphor, but the metaphors are very different. But let's see. Okay, so let's now begin the actual Sicha. It's in Yiddish. I'll translate. If anybody has questions, feel free to ask. And let's begin the journey. Um, the first section, the first chapter, you're going to understand very well because we already learned the sources inside. So this is Lekutei Sichis, Chelek Yudches, Volume 18, Pinchas. If you go to your source sheets, you go to your source sheets, scroll down. You see the first source sheets are just different Rashis quote, being quoted. And then you scroll down and you come to page 326. 326, it says Pinchas, Lekutei Sichis. And we begin Seif Aleph, Chapter 1. Again, to open the source sheets, go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A dot N-E-T. The, you'll see the class on the top. It's called The Shepherd and the Wolf. And on top of the video, view source sheets or below the video, you can download source sheets and print them out. You may want to print them out or at least download them on your computer. So for the next class, Thursday morning, you'll be able to have them ready. And I also hope you'll be able to review this on your own in the interim, in between the classes, and on Shabbos. Aleph. On the words in the Chumash this week, and it happens after the plague, Rashi adds the word, etc. The reason he adds etc. is because he wants to tell you that I'm not just explaining those three words, but also what happens after those three words. Etc. What happens? Hashem tells Moshe to count the Jewish people. And Rashi explains, as we just learned, The metaphor of a shepherd where wolves infiltrated the flock and they killed some of the sheep, so the shepherd counts them to know the survivors, the number of the survivors. Now, what is bothering Rashi? Why does he have to give this metaphor? So the way you learn it literally, and indeed there are commentators of Rashi that explain it this way, as he brings in footnote 2, Devek Toiv, Sif which means when you read the Pasuk, it says, and it happened after the plague that God told Moshe and Eloza to count the Jewish people. From the language, it's obvious that the Torah is not just telling you the sequence of events chronologically. First, there was a plague. And then afterwards, he told them to count the Jewish people. Because it says, 
And it happened after the plague that he told them to count the Jewish people. That sounds like that it's because of the plague. It didn't just happen after the plague. It happened as a result of the plague. In the aftermath of the plague, he wanted them to count the Jewish people. And the question is, what's the connection between the two? There was a terrible plague. 24,000 Jews were killed. Okay, so why do we have to count them? So Rashi gives us a metaphor. It's like a shepherd. And the wolves came in. They infiltrated. And they killed many of the sheep. So now the shepherd wants to count what's left. After so many Jews' lives were lost and taken, we want to count the rest. That's what it seems Rashi is coming to explain to us. What's the connection between the Magaifa and the count? As he says in 2 star footnote ton but two with a star you could say even more than this Rashi is bothered why does it say and it happened after the pandemic it could have just said and God told Moshe to count the Jewish people now the fact that the Torah wants us to know that it happens after the pandemic it could have, it could have just said the pandemic tell the story of Pinchas and the whole story of the plague and then afterwards continue the next parasha count the Jewish people and we would already understand that they happen in sequence because usually we consider when one story is written after another story that they happen in that chronological order. Unless it's clearly that ain't muktam amuchabatari, unless it's explicitly stated that it's not in chronological order. But usually we assume it's a chronological order. So why does the Torah even have to say vayhi achiriyam Even if it wants us to know the chronological order, we would have understood that it happened afterwards because it's written right afterwards. The fact that the Torah has to say explicitly it happened after the plague means the Torah wants us to know that this happened because of the plague. This is connected to the plague. So Rashi explains what the connection is. But if this is what's bothering him, why now? There's something awful. Because this count is not really something that's new and astounding that needs an explanation. you're telling me that we don't understand why after the plague God wants a count. So Rashi gives us this whole metaphor. But one second. He already explained the beginning of Bamidbar. God loves the Jewish people. And therefore, whenever there's any alteration in their state, whenever something happens, positive or negative, he's counting them. They leave Egypt, he counts them. They die after the sin of the golden calf, he counts them. He builds the Mishkan, he counts them. In other words, whenever there's a change in their status, he's counting them. Rashi said that before. When they fell in the golden calf, he counted them in order to know the survivors. So it's clear here too. Why do you have to explain it again? There was a Magetha, there was a plague. In other words, there was a major change in their status. Many Jews died just like by the sin of the golden calf. So therefore afterwards, Hashem says to count them. As the Talmud would gedenken, was said gelernt in Parshas Bamidbar, what I have done given genug to the monon, does the Talmud do the chazaga bekitzel lay the minyan on his son? Even if you say Rashi thinks that you may not remember what he wrote a few portions ago in the beginning of Bamidbar, fine. 
We already went from Bamidbar to Pinchas. It's been a while. It's been a few weeks. So you don't remember what he wrote over there. So he needs to remind the student why we're being counted again. He could have just said three words. Lay dominion on Esarim. God told Moshe to count the Jewish people in order to ascertain the number of survivors. Why does he want to ascertain the number of survivors? And this will already jog your memory to remember because he cares about you. And he, it's very, every life is precious. And when a life is lost, it's precious. And when the lives that are remaining, they're very precious. And he wants to know how many Jewish lives there are. As he said in the beginning of Bamidbar, Mitoichi Basan, Lufan of Moina Oisam Kolsha. But here suddenly Rashi goes into this whole long explanation with a metaphor, with a shepherd and wolves and flock. Seems unnecessary. So what does this tell us? That Rashi was not bothered by this question. If this was the question that was bothering him, why is there a census now? This he already answered beautifully in the beginning of Bamidbar. And if he wants to remind us what he answered then, he could do it very briefly. Something else is bothering Rashi. Siv Beis. Oich daf Aleph. Vos gitsu de mashal vos Rashi brengt in der hasbada for nimshal. Lichaira is the nimshal fazich on the mashal eroi genuk chlorum poshet. Moshe Rabbeinu de roi Yisrael. Vos hatzich Moshe nefesh given fatzayin marisai. Had gitzelt de yidin bechdeit sevisin de minyan hanistad as well chenadaf royazan. Whenever you give a metaphor, a parable, an allegory, it's for one reason in order to explain to the people that which may be otherwise difficult to grasp. So I want to convey an idea. It's difficult for you to grasp the idea. So I convey it through metaphor and allegory, and this helps you grasp the idea. Whenever our sages or Rashi give us a marshal, it's because there's something that's difficult to wrap our brains around, so they give us metaphors. What's the metaphor here trying to explain? That Moshe Rabbeinu cared about the Jewish people, and when so many Jews were lost in a plague, he wanted to know how many were left. So Rashi has to give us this whole metaphor, that there was a shepherd who had flock, and a pack of wolves infiltrated one night, and they started to kill the flock, and the shepherd now wants to know how many survived, so he takes a count. Wonderful metaphor. But the Rebbe says, What's, why do we need the metaphor? Why can't Rashi just get straight to the point? The point itself is self-understood. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Jewish leader. He was the shepherd of the Jewish people. It's very clear by now that for 40 years he's been leading them. He has been sacrificing himself, putting out his neck for his flock time and time and time again. He has led them through thick and thin, through difficult and tranquil times. Now it's 40 years later and there's a terrible pandemic. So he could say, Moshe, the shepherd of the Jewish people, cares about the flock and he wants to know how many survived. But Rashi gives a metaphor. This means that there's something that is not understood in the story without the illustration of the metaphor. I need a parable. Base. Here comes a serious question. This you should be asking yourself. Is the metaphor really the right match for the story? What happens in the metaphor? Who counts the flock? The shepherd. Who is the shepherd here in the story? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu counted. Base. The Moshe Leroye, v'hum moina oisalei dominion anisaris, as the roye is there, v'zvil v'sim minyan anisaris, is l'cherinit mechuvin sum nimshal, v'udir eibishter, 
der Baal hat seine Geissen zählen die Jeden. Und nicht, dass Moshe der Römer sagt, mit Gewalt wissen sie jetzt so. One second, something is off here. In the metaphor, what did Rashi say in the metaphor? The wolves infiltrated the sheep, they killed them. The shepherd counts them to know how many survived. But one second, in our story that's not what happened. It's not that Moshe himself wants to know how many survived and therefore he counts them. It's God who is not the shepherd, he is the owner of the sheep. He is the master. He is the owner of the flock. He is the one who arranges the reckoning, the census. It's not like in the metaphor where the shepherd does it on his own. Now, if you want to squeeze it a little bit, you can say, God is telling Moshe to conduct a census because he knows that it's important to Moshe. He's telling Moshe, go take a census. I know how much it's important to you. Just as in the metaphor, the shepherd wants to know the number. So God is just telling Moshe to do something for himself. But one second, Rashi could have just changed the metaphor a little bit. And instead of saying that the shepherd does the count, he could have said the owner of the flock does the count. And then it would match perfectly with the story where Hashem, not Moshe, is the one who commands and instructs Moshe Rabbeinu to do the count. Gimel, Nachmer. Furthermore, in Tanchuma um Bamid Barabba, Vertaka Gebrach de Moshe Nitfunaroya, nor Moshe Lezaev Shenofal Alatsoin, Hutzrach Baal Hatsoin Limnoisam, or Rashi is Meshano and Shaip Moshe Leroya. Wow. If you look at the source of Rashi, if you go to Medrash Tanchuma, and you go to Medrash Rabba Bamidbar, as he brings in the footnotes five and six, the exact source, they bring the same metaphor, but not about a shepherd, about the owner of the flock. They say that there was a wolf that fell into the flock, and the owner, when he saw there's a death toll, he felt that he has to count them. And that would work perfectly with the story. The owner, Hashem, is the one who arranges the census. Comes Rashi. And he changes the marshal. He changes the metaphor. And instead of talking about the owner of the flock, he talks about the shepherd. Which actually is a mismatch with the story. Because the story is about God to, God commanding the count, not the shepherd commanding the count. Dalit, noch is the tmiya. What is even more astounding is Rashi Alain Brent and Parsha Sisabam Tsailin the Yidin Nachmai Segum the Shinichnas Bahamagefe Moshulatsoin Hachaviva Alba Leha Shenofal Bodever Mishaposak Amalilab Vakosha Mimcha Mineya Soini Veda Kama Nisrubahem Hain Favazak Rashi Dom Moshularaya. Wow. Do you remember the Rashi we learned in the beginning of this class in Parsha's Kisisa? Rashi explains over there why Hashem wanted to count the Jews after the pandemic that occurs in the aftermath of the golden calf. So Rashi says in Parshish Kisisa, he gives us another allegory, another parable, that there was flock, there was sheep cherished by their owner, and there was a pandemic. So the owner tells the shepherd, please, I beg you, count my sheep so I know how many survived. So over there, Rashi indeed gives us a metaphor about the owner of the flock conducting the reckoning and the senses, which matches perfectly with the story where Hashem, the owner, is the one commanding Moshe to do the count. 
But here in Parshas Pinchas, Rashi chooses to change that metaphor slightly. This is what I meant to you. I was hoping you would ask this question on your own. When you read two Rashis, very similar in theme, in both Rashis, in Parshas Kisis and Parshas Pinchas, he gives a metaphor of sheep being killed. But over there, it's the owner who wants to know the numbers that remained. And in Pinchas, it's the shepherd who wants to know the numbers that remained. Why this change? Especially when in both stories, it's the owner, it's God who wants to know how many shepherds remained. Hey, Nachshinoyim, once we're comparing these two Rashis, we have some other changes. Aleph, Parshas Kisis is a Rashi, Nafal Badever, Unda, Shanich Nesuza, Evim Latoich Edrei, Adorai. Over there, there's a pandemic. Here there's a pack of wolves that infiltrated the flock. What happened? In Parshish Kisis, after they sin with the golden calf, what's the cause of death? Dever. Dever is a pandemic. That's the cause of death. Here in Pinchas, it also says there was a Magaifa. There was a pandemic. Rashi says, what's the cause of death? A pack of wolves. Wolves that infiltrated into the flock. Why this change? Just like the first change we spoke about, over there Rashi speaks about the owner, here he speaks about the shepherd, there it's a pandemic, and here it's about wolves. Bays. In Parshish Kisis, he says, and Marshal Dominion from Chavivus, Lohidia Shehi Chaviva Allah, Mashenkin Doin Marshal from Royavetis, in Gansen Edemont. Over there in Parshish Kisis, when he speaks about why the Jews were counted after the sin of the golden calf, he starts off, it's like sheep, that were beloved by their owner. And therefore he asked the shepherd to count them after the pandemic. Here, he doesn't mention a word about love. He just says after the plague, Hashem wants them counted. Why? Because the shepherd wants to know how many remained. Over here he doesn't mention the word love. Why? Gimel. In the Midrashim is the Lashim Al-Hatzayin, L'Toich Rashi is Meshana Unzak L'Toich In all the Midrashim, which represent the source of Rashi, the language that's used is the wolf fell in above the flock or they came into the flock, into the tzayin, and killed them. Rashi changes the word. He says, into the eider. Into the eider means into the flock, into the place where the flock are. But he doesn't use the word tzayin. He says, what is going on here? So when we start analyzing this Rashi granular, we see what. So the first part, the first Siv the Rebbe wanted to know why this whole Rashi is even necessary in Pinchas. We already know this message, why Moshe is counting them. In the second Siv, he gets into all these questions. First of all, why we need a metaphor. Even if you're giving a metaphor, you're giving me the wrong metaphor, you're giving me a metaphor of a shepherd. Here it's not the shepherd, it's the owner. Furthermore, in Medrash, it really says that it's the owner and Rashi changes that. Furthermore, in a previous Rashi, in Kisisi, Rashi also says it was the owner, and here he changes to the shepherd. And then there's another three changes. Over there, it's a pandemic. Here, it's a pack of wolves. Over there, he says there was love. Here, he doesn't mention the love. Over there, he says they came into the sheep. He just says they came into the aider, to the flock. So when we analyze this Rashi in Parashas Pinchas, and we compare it with another Rashi, we have abundant questions. We have many, many questions. Gimel... The Noch is Rashi Mamsha, then Rashi gives us a second interpretation. Why 
und sie ist moving, aber was rasch ist, dann der Pirsch als Dauberacher. Und nicht halt Pirsch rischen wie ich krieg, weil Leute im Pirsch ist nicht muss bei der Scheiches von zu Uwe Geimert, so war hier auch nicht einmal geifen. So habe ich nicht verstanden, ich leide gegessen. Was ist schwer in dem ersten Pirsch, was zu lieb dem bringt in dem zweiten Pirsch, Leute, welches ist nicht alle Schwerigkeit. Rashi adds a whole second interpretation. Why Moshe counts them? Because he's about to die. So it's time to give back the flock with a reckoning, just as he received them 40 years ago with a reckoning. He says, Dover Acher. This is a second interpretation. We understand why this is the second interpretation and not the first. Because this interpretation doesn't explain the sequence, why it happens after the plague. Why it says, Vayihi Acher Yamagefa which intimates that it was connected to the plague. According to this, it's not connected to the plague, it's just connected to the fact that Moshe is soon going to pass away. So I understand why Rashi feels that this is the second best interpretation. It's not the primary interpretation. Great. But the Rebbe says, why does he even need a second interpretation? What's missing in the first interpretation that compels Rashi to bring a second interpretation? Rashi doesn't bring every possible interpretation in a Pasuk. Rashi states many times, I am here to explain the literal meaning of the psukim of the verses. If something is understood, let's move on. What is, per- what is perplexing, what is problematic about the first interpretation that forces and compels Rashi to bring a second one, even as a second one and not a primary one? Dalad, the beer in them. Now we begin the explanation. The explanation is going to have various rungs, various levels, as we will see. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe is going to open us up to a much deeper and subtle understanding of what Rashi is teaching us. Rashi is the Oisin Sumafanar Zayin, not the Mkishet Zivishin by Hiachriyama Geifa. Und zu Ugeimer, vor dem Kanal, das Weismenschein von Pirish Rashi in Parsha Sisu und Bamidbar. Nur an ihnen, was es schwer in der Werte von Vayihi Achere Hamagefe, versich. What's bothering Rashi here is not just why the sequence, why a census after the plague. As we said before, that's not a problem. The answer to that is already very clear once you learned Rashi and Bamidbar, that God counts the Jews constantly whenever there's a change in their status. And we learned already in Parshish Kisisa, after they fell in the golden calf, he ordered a census. So it's very clear why now, after a major plague, he orders a census. That's not a question. So we wouldn't need Rashi to give us this whole metaphor, even if he wants to remind us the answer, as we said in chapter, in Seif Aleph, he could have done it briefly. Rashi is bothered by another major question, just on the words, and it was after the plague. And now we have to go back to the story. So we'll right away understand what's bothering Rashi. What's bothering Rashi? Let's remember. What happens after the Jewish people are lured into the trap of the daughters, the women of Mayav and Midian? They engage in promiscuity and harlotry and znus, they become sucked into the idolatry of Pa'ir. What happens? There's a plague. There's a major plague. But something else also happens. In Saif Parshas, Balak, Verder, Tzeld, As the Ritzmodim, Lebal, Pa'ir, Zanin, Anishkivar, Nefzvei, Yifanim, Aleph, Vayichar, Af Hashem, B'Yisrael, Shalach, Ba'am, Ha'geifan, Ha'meisim, Ba'am, Ha'geifar, Ba'am, Ha'esim, Aleph, Be'ez, Vayoymer, Shoifte, Yisrael, Vayoymer, Goymer, Shoifte, Yisrael, Hirgu, Ish, Anosha, Vagoymer, Vidashi, Taish, Tesop, 
כל אחד ואחד מדיון ישראל היה הרג שניים. ודיון ישראל, או שמונה ריבוי, או שמונה סלבים כדאיסא בסנהדרין. ומוידם חשבן קומטויס, אז דהרוגם דורך דשפטי ישראל, זה אני גוון איבר הונדת ונזיבצק טויסט. וואו. If you go back to the end of Bollock and you remember the story, what happens over there? It's not just there's a plague that kills 24,000 Jews. There's a whole other story that happens. There's a huge amount of Jews who public, publicly, with witnesses and with ample warning, engaged in idolatry. A huge amount of Jews. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu turns to the judges of the Jewish people at the end of Balak, and he says, I want every judge to kill his men, those who became engaged in idolatry. What does it mean, every judge to kill his men? So Rashi explains, there were 88,000 Jewish judges. That's what Rashi says at the end of Balak. He quotes the Gemara in Sanhedrin. There were 88,000 Jewish judges. Each of them, each of them, judged and brought to the courts at least two. That's why it says, each of you should kill his men, in the plural. So he says, every judge was responsible to execute and give the death penalty to two people when it was proven with witnesses and ample warning that there was indeed idolatry. If each judge was responsible to execute two, and there were 88,000 judges, Shmoinas Ribu, Ribu is 10,000, so 8 times 10,000 is 80,000, plus 8,000 is 88,000. Each one killed two, so how many Jews were killed by the death penalty through the courts? That's 80,000, 80,000 twice, because each, each one, 88,000 twice. So how many are you dealing with? 80,000 plus 80,000 is 160, plus 8 and 8 is another 16, so you're dealing with 176. 176,000 Jews, according to Rashi, received the death penalty for the idolatry and adultery at that point. That's what he says in Balak. Each judge killed two, and there were 88,000 judges. That's what he says here, back to the, back to the text, how many Jews were killed? Iber hundred und zibetzik toisent. More than 170,000. Wow. More than 170,000. If this is the case, this means that the number of Jews who died in the plague was significantly lower than the number of Jews executed by the courts. Right? How many Jews died in the plague? 24,000. How many Jews died by the hand of the courts? More than 170,000. 88,000 twice. Again, there's 88,000 judges, you understand? Each one executes two. That's 80,000 plus 80,000, 160,000. So it's 176. It's more than 170,000. Alpiza is dot me a gdolinunza posik. Favos is the posik madgish achere hamagefa. As the minion is given by the day to visit the full zanning event in a solemn for the magefa. Leuten cherchment after sein wichtiger to visit. 
the minion han isadim for nam hirgu isha noshav for the misper harugim is given mervi zibin mala zoyfil for the misper hamaisa we magayfa. Und so verändern die Tmeer bringt Rashi Marshall Royer Schnichnus aus Eben Kedel Kamal. Wow. If this is the case, now there's a huge question. The Torah says after the plague, God says count the rest of the Jews that remained. One second. The greatest number of fatalities, the greatest loss didn't happen from the plague. That claims 24,000. It happened from the death penalties executed by the court which claimed more than 170,000 Jews, which means more than seven times the number of the Jews who died in the plague. More than seven times the number of Jews who died in the plague was the number of Jews who died through the courts. More than seven times. This is 24,000, 24, and this is 176,000. You can't compare. Mind-staggeringly, a mind-staggering larger number. So when the Torah, the Torah should say, after the plague and after the death penalty of the judges, God said, count the remainders. But that's the main reason you have to count the remainders. The greatest loss came not from the pandemic, it came from the death penalty that was given. And the Torah ignores that. <laughs> the Torah says, After the plague, we want to know how many were left over. One second. According to the calculation, first and foremost, tell me how many were left over after the death penalty, which claimed so many more lives. This is what's bothering Rashi. Something is off here. And for this, Rashi needs to give us a metaphor. He's not trying to explain to us why they were counted generally, that we know why they were counted. He's trying to explain to us a specific issue here about how this count is defined by God. I want to know those who were lost in the plague. That's what you want to know. What about all those who were lost in the in the death penalty that was given by the court? Hey, the chiluk in parshas of Ishnabalat sayin was heis demrayet zelon zayin sayin le de minyan anosadas. Unaraye vat zeltsay von zich alein far dem tzvek. Ah, here we will see the meticulousness, the precision in the words of Rashi. There's a major difference between a shepherd who counts the flock to know how many survived after a loss versus the owner who, cha- who, t- who wants to know how many were lost. What's the difference? When the Balat Sayin Hay Sailing the Tsayin with the Tsavisan Minion Hane Sadas, Kumtas Alt Taitsa, and there is the Mit Eisen Eisudrik in the Chvivus from the Tsayin. Nit bechdei arreis zu weisen de chvives zu den Eisaras. Nor mitzadem tafkid von arreia. Mit der Kavano und Tachles sich abzugeben, sich abgeben, mehr mit der Zeun han Eisaras zu verhitten sie ein zweiten Mal von einem ähnlichen Unglückfall. I'll explain in a moment. Und der Ribber ist mowun. 
Adas is beikar shayach when the roya fills sich schuldig in dem was es het gefällt sein von eider. Ei babber, es het passiert in anoifen was der roya hat es nicht gekannt bei warenen, dem hat man sich nicht bei ihm zu zählen die Zäun und wissen die Minion haben es alles. Weil in sein Arbeit als roya von der Zäun hat gar nicht gefällt. Wow. Okay, let's see, let's see this insight. You have to tune in here. When an owner of a sheep, when an owner of sheep experiences a situation where many of his flock die, and he comes and he says, I really want to know how many are left over. What's the point? The point is, he cherishes every sheep that's alive. Every living creature that belongs to him, that's part of his flag, that's alive, he cherishes it. Like Rashi said earlier, the owner wants a count because this is demonstrating that he cares for them, he loves them, he cherishes them. In other words, I want to know how many sheep I have. It's irrelevant if the reason of the death was because of the shepherd's negligence or because of an act of nature. That's irrelevant. It's relevant maybe if he should keep the shepherd or fire the shepherd. <laughs> it's relevant for that. But in terms of the count, whatever the reason is, every sheep that's a lot, I want to know what I have left. They're precious to me. I care about them. I cared about those that are gone. And now I want to know what I'm left with. So you'll tell me, but the shepherd wasn't guilty. He was guilty. He wasn't guilty. It was an accident. It was not an accident. It was act that he, an act that he could have avoided, an act that he couldn't avoid. It's irrelevant. I'm counting because I want to know what's left because of my special affection to this flock. So I want to know who is still here in my flock. That's when the owner is doing the count. When the shepherd is doing the count, they're not his. Why is he doing the count? By him, it's not so much in order to demonstrate his cure for the flock. No, it's because of his vocation, it's because of his work. It's because of his mission statement as a shepherd. His job is to ensure the safety and the security of every single member of the flock. And therefore he has to count how many are there, so he should know exactly what his responsibility is at the moment in order to make sure that those that he still has left are secure and safe and that the same tragedy, the same accident, the same catastrophe that claimed the lives of so many flock the first time will not happen again. And therefore he needs to have a number. So the number could give him a calculation and an understanding. He needs a reckoning to know how many sheep he has to take care of, how many cattle he has to take care of, how many goats he has to take care of. Whatever the type of animal, type of mammal it is, he has to know what is going on. This is part of his responsibility. This is what I'm responsible for. This is the number. Now I must make sure that this catastrophe doesn't happen again. If this is the case, when will this count be relevant? When he feels guilty in what he did. If he feels that there was some form of negligence, something that he, the shepherd, could have done to avoid the catastrophe, then he wants to take responsibility and say, this is not happening again on my watch. But if something happened that it's very clear that the shepherd could have not avoided it, then there's no need for him to count the number of survivors because it's not like something was missing in his work. His work was impeccable. His work was perfect. He did whatever he can. 
It's not like he was lacking, he was wanting. He's not found wanting. He wasn't found negligent. Not willingly and not unwillingly. He doesn't have lessons to learn. If it was his fault, there's lessons to learn. Shepherd, you weren't doing a good job. Get your act together. Make sure this doesn't happen again. So first and foremost, you got to know who do you have? How many sheep do you have? How large is your flock? Why do you have to know the number? So that you should get your act together. But if the shepherd knows I did everything, I have my act together. There was nothing I could have done. Sometimes situations happen, there was nothing you could have done. You could blame yourself from today till tomorrow. A Jewish shepherd probably blames himself, but there was nothing you could have done. The owner will still count because the owner is busy. He's thinking about how many sheep I have. It's irrelevant why they died. I care about them. I want to know the number. You can't compare a living creature to money. But if you lose money, you count the money that's left over. It's irrelevant if you were guilty or not guilty. It's irrelevant if it was an accident or it was negligence. You want to know how much money you have left over. That makes sense. But for the shepherd who's not the owner, what he wants to know is, what am I supposed to do differently? Therefore, he has to know the number. If he couldn't have done anything differently, then the count is not so necessary. Once we establish this point... Now the Rashis will read in a whole new way. You see now why in the first Rashi he speaks about a plague, and here he speaks about a pack of wolves. What's the difference? What's the difference between a pandemic and a pack of wolves that infiltrate the flock? What's the difference? Or the Ribbit is moving the Shinivas in the Moshul from Balat, Sain in Parshas Kisisa, Sok Rashi Shinafal Bodever. A shepherd cannot avoid a pandemic. There's nothing he can do. A pandemic spreads to the flock. There's nothing the shepherd can do. What is he supposed to do? Sheep die one by one. They fall because of the plague. But if a pack of wolves are approaching, of course there's something he can do. That is his, that is his function. That's why he was hired. Get your act together. <laughs> Prepare a stick and drive away the wolves. Scare them off. That's why you got to be a trained shepherd to know how to deal with the wild animals. That's, that's your function. So when a pack of wolves infiltrate and kill the sheep, there's guilt. There's responsibility I have to take. A pandemic, the shepherd can't take responsibility. So in Parashas Kisisa, Rashi speaks about the owner of the sheep who arranges a census. His love for the sheep has nothing to do with how they died. Because of the shepherd, not because of the shepherd. So when he arranges a count, it's even when there's a pandemic where the shepherd was not guilty. And that's why Rashi uses over there the metaphor of the owner 
and the metaphor of a pandemic. And we'll soon see why over there the shepherd is not guilty. Here in Parshas Pinchas, he speaks about a shepherd who does the count because wolves infiltrate it. Who, in such a case, the shepherd feels, I did not do my job. I have to learn my lesson. I have to really up my game. I am not a shepherd. I'm not doing my job. I now have to know what to do. And therefore, he has to start all over again, take account of what's going on, and make sure that he's in control. This won't happen again. Now, it becomes perfectly clear why the Pesach says, Vahi achre hamagefa. Vav, like them, is moving the tirits of the em, the month to me, and the vet, vahi achre hamagefa, the rech, the mashal, So now we understand what was bothering Rashi, vahi achre hamagefa. Why the count is only following the pandemic and not the execution of more than 170,000 Jews, which is a much greater number. It should say, after that loss. And Rashi has to give a metaphor to answer this. And what's the metaphor? The parable of a shepherd. was der Reue ist der Rinn nicht schuldig. Und das, was der Eberste heißt, der Zählen ist, weil beim Balatzoin ist hat Zoin Chaviva und Kniske Lael Baruch. Wow. This brings it all together. The more than 170,000 Jews who were killed and were given the death penalty through the judges of the Jewish people, this was after a judicial process. They weren't just killed, they weren't just executed. You had to have courts that sat and judged every individual, and there was a court 
that went through the testimony and investigated and scrutinized the witnesses and ensured that this Jew, unfortunately, indeed warrants the death penalty, and therefore they killed these 170,000 people. Moshe couldn't feel guilty that he is responsible for their death because of his negligence, and therefore feel that he has to count those that survived from it because he's guilty in those who did not survive. They did a horrible crime, and they were killed by the law, by the process of law and order of the courts. So Moshe didn't feel that he was negligent in any way, but the 24,000 Jews who died because of the pandemic, ooh, here Moshe felt he was at fault. Because Rashi says at the end of Balak that when Jews were dying and Jews were being killed, the tribe of Shimon came to their leader Zimri and said, stand up for us, because they were all involved in the promiscuity and the adultery. So that's when Zimri came to Moshe and he said, am I allowed to be with a Midianite woman? And if not, who allowed you to marry the daughter of Yisrael? She was a Midianite woman. And at that moment, Moshe didn't know what to say. He forgot the halacha. Pinchas remembered the halacha that if somebody is engaged in adultery at that moment with a non-Jewish woman, you can kill them. And Pinchas went and killed Zimri. Moshe himself forgot the halacha. And when Pinchas did what he did, right away the pandemic stopped. Now why did Moshe forget the halacha? So Rashi says, because God wanted Pinchas to rise to the occasion and receive the reward that he deserved. That's true. But that's what God knew. Moshe himself felt that he did not live up to his job as a shepherd. He lost the opportunity. Yes, he forgot, but that came from negligence. If he would have been a real shepherd, he would have been entombed with what his responsibility was at that moment, and therefore he would have stopped the plague earlier, not have to wait for Pinchas to take matters into his own hands. So Moshe felt that there was a certain amount of negligence on his part as a shepherd that allowed this pandemic to claim 24,000 lives. Moshe felt, yeah, his verdict was delayed. His actions were delayed. He did not stand up to the situation. He had to wait for Pinchas to take matters into his own hands. Especially that Zimra screamed at him, who allowed you to marry Tzipira. So he was the one on the defensive, and he remained somewhat paralyzed, so to speak. He, he, he didn't have a response. And that's why it says Moshe was crying. Everybody was crying. Nobody knew what to do. It was Pinchas who rose up from the community and he took, he took the situation and he brought it under his control and he put an end to the Magefa. But Moshe felt, therefore, that he was somewhat negligent. Again, we know the truth that God arranged it this way because he wanted Pinchas to get what he has to get. But Moshe, from his side, from his perspective, felt, I did not do, I failed my people. At least I failed them. I failed them somewhat. I was not on top of my game as a shepherd. Ah, so now we understand why the Pesach says after the plague, God told Moshe to count the Jewish people. And the question is, why after the plague? 
The plague was 24,000. should have been after all the Jews who were killed, more than 170,000. So that actually says, no, the count here came from the shepherd because of the plague. Why? So Rashi says, I'll give you a metaphor and you'll understand everything. There was a shepherd who saw a pack of wolves infiltrate. And then the shepherd said, I want to count those that survived. Number one, we understand that this is a census that comes from the shepherd's desire to count them. In other words, from Moshe. And why? Because he feels guilty for the wolves that infiltrated and he could have stood up and he did not. That's why he gives the metaphor of the wolves. He could have avoided the deaths, or at least minimized the deaths. And this is what Moshe felt. And that's why he felt that he needs to count the Jewish people. Because something went wrong on his side. He did not live up to his responsibility. If he would have been in control, if he would have done his job, there would have been no deaths in the pandemic, or at least it would have claimed much less. And that's why it says, Vayhi it's the magaifa that struck his heart so deeply and felt that I need to count these Jews who are there because I failed them, so to speak, or at least somewhat failed them. And that's the count that happens here. It's after the magaifa. The, uh, the more than 170,000 Jews that were killed, this Moshe couldn't avoid. And that's the difference between the two Rashis. Where was Moshe when they made the golden calf? Moshe was on the mountain. He wasn't there. So when there was a pandemic that claimed the lives of the Jews who engaged in the golden calf, Moshe couldn't feel guilty. So therefore, Moshe as a shepherd to feel that I have to count them because I should have done something much differently and now I have to change my system. He doesn't have to change any systems. He is not the one who made the golden calf. He is not the one who observed it. He was not there when it happened, and therefore you can't blame him for the results of the punishment for the sin, including the pandemic. So what does Rashi say there? Why does God count the Jewish people? He says it's like the flock who are loved by their owner. It's not a census that comes from the shepherd. It's a census that comes from the owner. Why does he Oh, why does he count them? Because he loves them, and he wants to know how many survived. And that's why he gives the example, a flock which had a pandemic, not a pack of wolves infiltrated. Because if there was a pandemic, the shepherd is not guilty. So why does God want them to be counted? Because he loves them. Over here, it's the metaphor of a shepherd who experienced not a pandemic, but a pack of wolves who infiltrated. And therefore he feels that he did not do his job well. And therefore he's compelled and motivated to count those sheep that remain because he really has to start over again and realize what he did wrong, and say, listen, I have to change my whole system of how I was shepherding them, and that's what Moshe felt here. And that's the count. So when God tells him to count, he's telling him, I know you want to count them as a shepherd. But in Parshish Kisis, it's a whole different story. God arranges the count as the owner, not as the shepherd, because the shepherd is not guilty over there. He's on the mountain. And therefore the metaphor is of a pandemic, which you're not guilty for. It's not wolves, it's a pandemic. And the one who arranges the count is not the... It's not the shepherd, it's the owner, it's God. Why? Because he loves them. <laughs> and because he loves them, he cares for each one and he wants to know, how many sheep do I have left over? Now you're thinking, one, one, one second, Moshe is going to change his whole system of shepherding? He's about to die. <laughs> when does this happen? <laughs> 
When does this happen? This happens in the 40th year. Moshe is about to pass away. Great question. Great question. That's going to continue. We still have a big continuation here with some other major questions. And of course, why would God not, why would God not want to count them if a pack of wolves came in? Why is it only Moshe who wants to count them? Good questions that you're asking. That's going to be the continuation of the Sicha. We're also going to deal with intermarriage, the very dual perspective on intermarriage. So we're going to take a break here. I'm going to take some questions and we're going to continue the Sicha Be'ezir Hashem Thursday morning at 7.30 a.m. Everybody is invited. You could come onto the yeshiva.net or watch it on, or come onto our Zoom, our Zoom station as well. Just to announce a few important things. Number one, tonight, 7.30 p.m., we have a special lecture with Chabad of Mount Clear of New Jersey and many Chabad centers of New Jersey titled Faith During a Time of Anxiety. And everybody is invited. This is a time, certainly, of anxiety. So this is 7.30 tonight, New York time. It's going to be streamed here on the yeshiva.net. Faith and Time of Anxiety. That's Monday night, 7.30 p.m. This evening. Tomorrow morning, Tuesday, 9.45. We have our Parsha Women's Class, 9.45 a.m. on the yeshiva.net. Important announcement. Tuesday night, we have our second live marriage workshop. It's not live streamed, it's live in Muncie for men and women with myself and Dr. Lamb, a marital therapist. The topic is how to communicate with your spouse. If you live in Muncie or close to Muncie, you're welcome Tuesday evening, 8 to 10 p.m. If you want more information, you can email us at info at the yeshiva.net. That's this Tuesday, 8 p.m. Next, Thursday morning, 7.30, we'll continue the Sicha. Thursday night, 10 o'clock p.m. with Coach Menachem. Divorce, part three. How to deal with second marriages and bringing two families together. This is our divorce session, part three, live and interactive. That's this Thursday, 10 o'clock p.m. on Coach Menachem Zoom or also on the yeshiva.net. Let me stop for some questions. So the next year is tonight, 7.30 p.m., Faith in Times of Anxiety. Yes, go ahead, Reb Daniel. Great question. So why does it say Hashem tells Moshe to count the Jewish people? It's not Moshe's initiative. It's the owner's initiative. It's not the shepherd's initiative, right? That's that's the Chiddush of Rashi. The Chiddush of Rashi is Moshel Leroyeh. That even though the Pasik says Hashem told Moshe to do it, the reason Hashem told Moshe to do it was because he was telling Moshe to do something that he knew was relevant for Moshe to do. That's the Chiddush of Rashi. That this was not a regular commandment where God was telling Moshe to do something that he wants. He was telling Moshe to do something that Moshe Rabbeinu wants, that Moshe Rabbeinu feels the need to do. It's like almost like he's telling Moshe, go ahead and do what you really want to do now, which is count all the Jews that survived. That's the Chiddush of Rashi. That's why Rashi needs a metaphor. What does he need a metaphor for? If it's just to tell me that God loves us and he wants to know how many Jews survived, we already heard that. We heard that a few times in Bamidbar and Kisis. What's this whole metaphor? And why does he change from the owner to the shepherd? Remember all the questions, now get answered. The Medrash says it was with the owner, Rashi changes with the shepherd. 
Rashi also changes from a pandemic to a pack of wolves. All of this is now clear. Because Rashi is being mechadish that Hashem was telling Moshe, count the Jewish people because I know you want to count them. Why? Why would Moshe want to count them? So Rashi says, I'll give you a metaphor. There was a shepherd and there were wolves that came in and the shepherd therefore felt that he shares responsibility in the catastrophe and therefore he needs to figure this out completely and he has to start all over again. You got to press control, alt, delete on my previous program and start all over again. That's what happens when crisis Hits, we have to start over. And therefore, Moshe counts the Jewish people. Verstehst? Okay, great question. Why would Moshe feel responsible by Parshas Kisisa, just like he feels responsible here? So that's what the Rebbe says, that there's a big difference. Here, Moshe Rabbeinu was down on the earth with the people. He saw it happen. Zimri came over to him and challenged him. And Moshe did not know what to say. There was a pandemic, and Moshe was, so to speak, paralyzed. Paralyzed. He forgot what to do. He was overwhelmed. He was weeping. He was sobbing. And it was Pinchas who came and said, Moshe, I learned from you what to do. And Moshe said, okay, so go do it. He gave Pinchas the authorization to go ahead and do it. But by the eagle, it's a whole different situation. Moshe's on the mountain when it happens. They build the calf. They worship the calf. They have an orgy. They dance around the calf. They engage in adultery and idolatry and murder around the calf. He's completely not present. That's why God says, go down. So he is not directly connected to the results of the sin, including the plague. So therefore, Moshe, as a shepherd, can't look in the mirror and say, you know, I failed my people. I did something wrong. Why didn't I drive away the wolves? There were no wolves. This was a pandemic. So that's why Rashi says over there, the count didn't come from Moshe as the shepherd. It came from Moshe as the messenger of God. God is the owner and he cares about the sheep and he tells Moshe, let's count the Jewish people. I want to know who survived. It's irrelevant who was guilty, whether you were guilty or not. It's irrelevant if you were negligent or not. But every single Jew that is alive is precious and every Jew that died is precious and therefore I want to know the number. So it's a whole different, it's a whole different type of story. So this explains beautifully the Rashi here. Go through all the questions and you'll see how everything is answered. The first question of the Rebbe was, what's bothering Rashi? We know already why we count after a plague. We always count. When you love, you count. What's bothering Rashi is why the Pasuk says, The bigger loss was not the plague. The much bigger loss was the execution of more than 170,000 people. That's not mentioned. That's what Rashi needs to give a metaphor. That's what Rashi needs to explain. It also explains why he has to give a metaphor with a shepherd and a pack of wolves. Without that metaphor, you would not understand the explanation. Because you have to understand here the mindset of the shepherd who observed a pack of wolves infiltrate into the flock versus a shepherd who observed a pandemic claiming the lives of the flock. We also understand why Rashi changes from the owner to the shepherd because the focus here is on the shepherd. Moshe Rabbeinu's feeling of responsibility. That's why the Pesach says that the count doesn't come after the 170,000 were killed. It's after the plague where Moshe felt 
that there was like a pack of wolves that he could have avoided. That's why Rashi changes from the Medrash. The Medrash speaks about the owner doing the senses, and Rashi says the shepherd doing the senses. That's why in Parshas Kisis, after the eagle, Rashi speaks about the owner, not the shepherd. Here he speaks about the shepherd. Over there he speaks about the pandemic. Here he speaks about the wolves. Over there he speaks about the love. Here he just speaks about the shepherd. But it's not his doing. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Now somebody asks... Why does Hashem then have to command Moshe to do the count? If Moshe feels responsible and he's doing the count on his own, why does Hashem tell him? The point is Moshe does not do things on his own. Moshe is a messenger. Like we learned already earlier, Aaron told the angel of death in Parshas Kairach, Moshe doesn't do things on his own. So even if he feels responsible, God has to give him permission. Even when it came to the spies, Hashem said, I'm giving you permission to send the spies. I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm giving you permission. Here he tells him to do it, but Moshe has to get an, an issue, has to get a commandment from Hashem that this is what he, what he, what he, what he should do. But it's Hashem telling Moshe to do something that is relevant to him. In other words, Moshe, I know that this is what you want to do. I know that this is what you need to do. So go ahead and go ahead and do it. That's the answer to your question. Somebody asks, pandemic. Pan means all over. COVID is all over the world. Hence, it's a pandemic. The Jews in the desert had local plagues that can more accurately be labeled epidemics. So therefore, I don't think the word pandemic is accurate because pandemic would mean it's all over the place. The coronavirus spread from Wuhan, China to the entire world. So we call it a pandemic. But the plague in the desert should have been called epidemic, not pandemic. Thank you so much for that correction. Very good, I stand corrected. In the case of the pander, the owner is also the one who let the catastrophe happen to begin with. So if the counting was out of love, why not express that love by not allowing the epidemic to begin with? Well, there is a system. In other words, let's talk about the owner. The owner himself, in the physical metaphor, is bound by the certain laws of nature. And once the epidemic infiltrated into the flock, there was nothing that the shepherd could do. There was nothing that the owner could do. In this case, we're talking about the creator of the world, right? But he gives a person free choice. And because of a person has free choice, there's also the consequences of that free choice. So when the Jewish people create the golden calf, there's an epidemic, I use the word epidemic, that follows them because of their choices. That's the system of creation where there's free choice, and the owner himself created that system. So that's the answer to your question, unless I didn't understand a deeper element in your question. You said that Moshe doesn't do things on his own. Doesn't it say that he added an extra day before Matan doesn't it say that he broke the luchas? Doesn't the Gemara say in Shabbos 87 that Moshe did three things on his own? Okay, that's true. But those are mentioned specifically because they were unique. Usually Moshe follows the instructions of his master. Did Moshe ever realize that he really was not at fault and it's just God wanted Pinchas to rise to the occasion? I don't know. You're saying Moshe is also responsible for the pandemic because it happened as a result of their moral failure and he was the leader. Of course, but you can't compare, you can't compare it to the responsibility of a shepherd who's there in the field 
in the jungle, in the wild, in the forest, when the wolves come and he can drive them away, to the shepherd who was summoned to the mountain and he was not there. It's a whole different story. You explained that Hashem orders the census after the plague, after the epidemic, not after the death penalty given by the court. That is really what's bothering Rashi here. And that's why Rashi has to explain the reason for that. It's because of the shepherd's feeling responsible for the catastrophe, and therefore he needs to rethink his vocation and his work, and that's why the count has taken place. So it's not about those who were executed, it's about those who died because of Moshe's own feeling of negligence. I got it. But perhaps the order to count the survivors of the plague, but not the survivors after the death penalty, was administered because the order from Hashem was given after the plague, but before the court cases and execution by the 88,000 judges. Such a huge number of court cases must have taken time after all. Interesting comment, but it's not that case. It's not that way. Because actually, the court cases began right away, immediately. So this happens after both of them. So it's clear that uh, it, should have, it should have mentioned this as well. If 88,000 judges killed 176,000 idolaters, why does the Rebbe not just say 176,000? Why does he say more than 170,000? It's a good question. Look in the footnotes. Look in the footnotes. I think, I think Rashi has a couple of different Hezbonos there, possibly. Right. Rashi and the Ramban, it's, it's, uh, it's the exact number. There's different versions. Look in the footnotes and you'll see. It's a good question because the Rebbe was very medhaic in these things. But uh, look in the footnotes and you'll see. I don't understand. Next question. Good questions, everybody. Doesn't God know the number before the golden calf and after? Why does he need a census? Good question. Rashi says, to demonstrate the love, to display it, to show that there's a love there. 24,000 Jews out of approximately 3 million is a small percentage. But more than 170,000 Jews is already a much, much larger percentage. Indeed, that's the question. Why is that ignored? It's a very big question. Why are you ignoring such a large death toll as a result of death penalty? You can't ignore it. 24,000 you don't ignore. 24,000 are gone. Let's count those that remain. Got it. And what about 176,000 that are gone? We shouldn't count those that remain from them. Like, why are you ignoring them? And that's why... He has to explain, this is a major question. Why are you ignoring this massive, massive, massive death toll? doesn't make sense. That's what's bothering Rashi. Okay, we'll take a break here, Chavra. I hope you could review it again inside, and you could perhaps prepare the, the second half of it, which will continue Thursday morning. Wishing everybody a beautiful, safe, meaningful day. It should be a day of, of great news for for the Jewish people and for the world, a day of redemption, a day of geula, for the klal and for the prat. You speak about the system of the world created by God. But God can choose things. Why does he choose to allow an epidemic? I don't understand the harsh punishment and then there's a rush of love afterwards. It seems disturbing to me. You create an epidemic... 
So many people die after the golden calf or after this story, and then there's a rush of love. Well, I think maybe we have to look at the epidemic a little differently. You're looking at the epidemic as, I'm going to punish you and destroy you, but I really love you guys. But what if it really should be understood a little bit differently? And that is that the people who died in the, pan- in the epidemic really have nothing further to do in this world. And their continuous life in this world would be futile for their souls and for their bodies. And the best thing that would happen for them is to continue their journey in the world of truth. In other words, it's not just a punishment to destroy, to take revenge, to crush, to show who's boss. But rather, it's like we spoke about Parsha Shlach, if you remember, Vayishchatem Bamidbar, Vayishchatem Bamidbar, that sometimes a person doesn't have what to do anymore in this world. So the epidemic that claims this person's life is not a random mistake, and it's not an act of vengeance. On the contrary, it's because this person will best fulfill their mission and reach their ultimate goodness and their own love and their own potential in a different plane of reality. So therefore, to keep them in this world may seem rosy and loving, but essentially the epidemic is not a destruct, it's a destructive force in the sense that from our perspective it's a destructive force, but it's not the antithesis of love. It's exactly what this soul needs because if a person has fulfilled their mission in this world or can't continue to fulfill their mission in this world, keeping them here in a state of spiritual agony where they really have where they really have have nothing to do, where they really can't achieve any of their goals, where their soul will just be hurting, is much more painful. That's how I understand it. Yeah. Everybody have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.